It's time to get to the heart of customer experience and talk customer services, teams, processes, tech, and much more. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast. If you're not familiar with our format, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method like email or SEO or Facebook ads. And each week I interview a different marketing method expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. If you are listening to this as it goes out, I hope Black Friday's been okay. I hope it hasn't thrown up loads and loads of customer experience issues you need to fix. And you'll be glad to know that this episode is one kind of to expand your mind and give you some big things to think about rather than being heavily packed with tips. So one that's more strategic than tactical, I suppose. Um, And I hope Black Friday has been a success for you. This month, we've been all about customer experience. We've been tackling individual parts of it so far. We've done delivery, we've done email and SMS comms, we've looked at product pages and bringing in the emotion and storytelling. Well, in this episode, we're kind of getting to the heart of it. We are looking at how you go about revolutionising and improving the core customer experience of your business. So what your customer services teams do, the processes, the systems that drive all of that and how to do it. It is not a project for the faint hearted. It is a tricky thing to do and it's kind of all encompassing and affects all parts of the business. And I have a brilliant guest, even if I do say so myself, to tell us all about it. So get ready to get to grips with what a full customer experience improvement project looks like. And do make sure you listen right to the end of the episode because you don't want to miss my guest quick fire insider tips, some genius stuff in that section this week, because they're there to really, really help you get to quick grips with your customer experience improvements. And After that, I'll be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we're here to help you improve your business even more. So stay tuned right to the end. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with customer experience expert Ty Givens. Ty is a CX expert and advisor to companies that want to improve and scale customer experience. With the team she's built at CX Collective, they tackle everything from workforce management and training to process improvement and CRM implementation. As she describes it, they're rebuilding the plane whilst in flight and achieving ROI upwards of 60% for their clients. Now that is worth the investment. Hello, Ty. Hello, how are you? I'm good. And thank you so much for, for being able to come on the show and talk about 
I guess you know, without meaning to kind of go back into the into the being in flight thing from that high helicopter angle, the big picture of customer experience improvement. Yeah, that's I've been in CX since I was literally 18 years old. And the space that I'm in now is like my my zone, like I love it. And um, I'm excited to be able to do what we're able to do for so many companies um, alongside a team of wonderful experts who help me make these visions real. So it's great. And how did you, you said you've been in it since you were 18. So how did you, how did you get from whatever it was you were doing then through to running this, this collective of brilliance that you're running now? Actually, it was one of my bosses. I used to work at a bookstore. I'm actually going to make sure she listens to this because she inspired me. Uh, She told me I had too much potential to simply sell books, but I actually love selling books because I like to read. But I'm grateful to her because it's because of her that I went to a job fair. And at that job fair, I got hired. And that's literally where my career started. So I'm immensely grateful to her for seeing something in me. Wow, what an awesome lady. Mm-hmm. We all need one of those occasionally. Kick, oh, kick yeah. us up the arse and <laughs> make us go and do something She said, go! <laughs> and I listened, so yeah. <laughs> and... um Tell us a little bit about the collective. How did you bring these people together? Yeah, well, okay. So originally uh, the company was called Workforce Pro or the Workforce Pro to be specific. And I started in 2016. My vision at the time was, oh, I'm going to go and do workforce management for different companies. And the fun part about having that idea, hence the Workforce Pro, is like uh, nobody really knows what workforce management is. And as much as I tried to get out there and, and help people to understand, I was presenting my solution to the wrong audience. So over time, I would get contacted for help scaling CX because in my background, I was always the hire that was made to mature customer experience. Now, at the time I was in my you know early 30s and my background is with large organizations, Fortune 500s, but I like the feel and grittiness of startups. Mm-hmm. So imagine going to a startup who's like, okay, we're ready to mature our CX. You've got this background. You've worked for these large companies. You know how this is supposed to go. And I'm like, great. I need a workforce manager. I need a trainer. I need quality assurance. And they're going, you need what? Like we hired you. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, right. But all of those things are specialties. Like you talk best in class. This is what it takes. So I ended up going into companies, just me for the first three years, working with them to scale kind of like a staff augmentation. Right. Then it got to the point where the the work was too much for me. So I brought in a colleague of mine, Dana. She and I had been working together since 2006. Uh, in various capacities. And so she helped me develop a lot of the training. And then it started to grow more and I realized I needed an assistant. And then it grew more. And I'm like, I can't do all of these implementations on my own. So now I need a resource for that. So it really happened organically and authentically. I didn't go out and say, I want to build a team of experts. I said, I want to help as many companies as I can with good quality and that led to the need to increase the quantity of the people who were doing the work. Nice. And the reason I wanted you to to explain all that is because I think a lot of people think CX is a quick improvement. It's so you you tweak the website a little bit and we've, you know, we've been going through different elements of that this month. We talked delivery, we talked product pages. 
I think you just do that one thing and it's sorted, but it's really a whole business philosophy and quite a bit of its people as well, isn't it? Um, it is 100% a huge undertaking. You've ever, have you ever heard the terms, uh, when they say people, process, and tech? Yeah. Okay. When I focus on any project, when we go in, because the strategy for CX Collective is still all my strategy. I am a control freak in that way. <laughs> However, <laughs> the execution, we share that. And I always, you know, it's it's a two-way street. It's not like I'm like, nope, this is how it's going to be. It's, it, it's a collective. I wouldn't have them on if I didn't trust them. But it's an undertaking that is not simple. If you can imagine turning a ship instead of a speedboat. Mm-hmm. When you have people who are along on the journey, they have already learned ways to perform and operate within your company. And now we're saying the way that you've been doing it has to change, right? So you have to get buy-in. You have to make sure that they understand the benefits. So you can't just say, we're going to do it this way just because it's, here's the benefit of why we're making that change so that you can get them on board with the journey. Then you have to teach people how to perform and operate in the new environment. So What we do, instead of focusing on people, process, and tech, we first focus on the process. Most companies feel that their CX is not great. And when I say not great, I'm really talking about your customer wait time or the reviews not being good because people don't feel like they're getting a response fast enough. A lot of those things can be repaired with a good process. So we start with the process. Most of our clients can improve and scale CX without hiring any additional resources. And they don't believe that at first. And I'm like, I'm looking at it going, what is your issue? We, you know, I had one, um, an e-com company. This was 2018. I believe they had a 10 day average response time. Whoa. In two weeks, I got them down to four hours. They didn't hire any additional resources. It was a process issue. It was a tech issue. So if you start with the process and you know what success looks like, you know what you want to build, then you move on to make the technology match that process. Then you teach the people how to use the technology in support of your new process. And I suppose that's that's quite a cunning way to get the team on board as well, because you've made their lives easier by improving the process and the tech. So they're already bought in to, oh yeah, this this strange woman who's been running around changing <laughs> things has made my life easier. Maybe I'll pay attention to her rather than who's this strange woman who's just arrived and has told me everything's changing. <laughs> well, it starts off that way. What <laughs> Someone called me, I, I haven't seen this movie to the day, but he called me M- Nanny McPhee. He said, I come in and he's like, at first, everything is, it, it feels ugly because it's like, who's this person making all of these changes? And then he goes, and then you start to work with her and then you start to see the changes. And then you go, oh my gosh, why didn't we do this a long time ago? I love her. And I was like, that is so sweet because yeah, like I, for a good period of time, you got to have thick skin in this game. I am no one's favorite when it, when it, like, not when it first starts out, they're okay. It's that change (laughs) management piece where they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, okay, you know, trust me, it's going to come together. It's going to come together. Um, So I'm, I'm kind of used to it, but now 
I warn them. I'm, I'm upfront about it. Like there's going to be a period in time where you're just going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on your nerves. Um, and then there's going to be a period of time after that where you're going to be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And so that's usually how it goes. Yeah. And it's, it's useful to know that. And I guess, you know, for anyone who's planning properly improving their CX, which guys, all of you should be, um, mm-hmm. it's good to know there's that pain part of the process because it helps you time it right in the year. Uh, this is going out in November. November is not the time to start this unless, no, no unless you're all about the summer, in which case, fine, go for it now. Um, but the other thing to it all is, you know, if you know there's going to be, be that difficult period, it's often a lot more efficient to get through that if it's an external person coming in and doing it. Yeah. You know, to, to try and be the bad guy in your own company is usually harder and more inefficient than if you're the outside person because you end up trying to be nice and that just slows everything down. That's true. The other part about being within a company is the consideration that you have for knowing the people who are the players in the game. So for example, I remember working with one company. Actually, I was leading this company. I was in there as an employee and I did a quality assurance exercise with the team leads. And so we all listened to the same call and we all rated the same call. And one of the team members said, oh, that's just his personality because the guy was very sarcastic on the call with the customer. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's cool, but his personality can't overshine the brand, right? So in order to remain objective, we don't actually have any like true staff augmentation roles. We literally limit the number of hours that we put in with each client on a weekly basis to maintain separation and that objectiveness. Uh, Because our goal is to focus on the operations piece. An ideal state is to have a person inside to work with the people directly. Because if we start to focus on people, the people part of managing CX is like 60% of the job. And I don't think people really understand that. In most cases, you're actually running and managing a team of people who, for many of them, this is their very first job, especially for young e-com companies. So you're not just teaching them how to do the work. You're teaching them how to be adults in the workplace. And that is taxing. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we, we definitely just work alongside. We don't work inside the business. And we have a hard line on that. Um, and the reason why we draw that hard line is because we want to really be able to deliver the results for them. And if we get bogged down into the day-to-day and the limitations of so-and-so who doesn't like to do this process, we won't get it done. So we just, we try to understand, educate, you know, and keep on going. And I suppose that's quite an interesting side to it as well, isn't it? That the, if you're not the one training and managing the human change process, it's much easier for you to exit mm-hmm. at the end of the project. And the skill set remains in the team. They're not just left leaderless. Exactly right. So there have been times when we've been asked to step in as like a staff augmentation or a manager. But what happens is people need one-on-one attention, coaching. They, they need that. We don't have capacity to do that. So you can imagine that if we were to go in, the question is, well, I can never get time with her or she, you know, she's not making, you know, she's not doing one-on-ones because my role is not actually to lead and manage the people, right? My job is to make sure that the people understand the changes that are happening and how those changes impact them. So that's really what I focus on. 
and my team focuses on that. And we do that through hopefully someone who's in-house already. If there's nobody in-house, we help them find someone. And we do that because most companies get confused about what a customer experience or customer service manager is versus a strategist. And they get confused about customer service versus customer experience. Mm -hmm. So customer service is that interaction between you and a customer for a specific reason, right? And it's usually an inbound inquiry, meaning that customer reached out to you for something, right? Whereas customer experience measures things that happened before that and after that, and can oftentimes be an outbound experience as well. So when businesses are looking for customer experience managers, what they really want is a strategist. They're saying, we're growing up, we're changing. We need someone to come in and help us scale. And then they're interviewing a lot of managers who have probably seen someone else do the job and made it look easy. And they're like, I can do this. I was a team lead at my last company. I can totally come in here and rock this out. And then they get in there and they have all the responsibility in their deer and headlights. So what we're solving for is that gap that says you're ready to scale. You have a person who's really good with engaging with the customer and and your employees. Let's keep them focused. But what we're going to do is we're going to come in and we're going to give you all of the leadership skill and the operational skill to build. And we're going to do a knowledge transfer so that they now have a platform from which they can grow and scale the team. Love it. Well, look, Ty, let's, uh, let's change tack a little bit here, okay. but not a, not a lot, obviously. Um, but with obviously you're starting with looking at the processes, which, how do you decide which process to start with? You know, you gave the example of speeding up response times, but then it could be the warehouse. It could be how the website functions. It could be how the products get on the website. There's so many processes in an e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. How do you work out which one to fix first? I, if they have technology in place, which I hope they do, and if they don't, then I will usually lean on uh, just voice of the employee. But um, where are the biggest pain points? What are, what are customers saying is their biggest pain point? And that's the process that we start with. Um, a good example of that, we worked with a client um, who was coming out of the holiday season and had a ton of returns. That was their biggest pain point. Uh, the problem that they had with returns is that they had a they were Shopify house and they used um, a return vendor that added on to the Shopify platform. But the workflow and how the returns were being handled, it wasn't clean enough for anyone to deduce like how many returns are actually waiting, how many returns returns have been refunded, how many have been rejected. It was really difficult to see. So knowing that that was their biggest pain point, that's the process that we started with. Now, when you go in and you start with the biggest pain point, you're going to learn a lot about other things as well, right? So as we learn about the return process and, you know, what's happening there, then we're realizing, well, the, the responses that are going to customers don't actually address their issues. Okay, so now we have to look at that, you know, and then when someone requests a return, you know, it's going into this queue, but this one is not being prioritized or it's not being monitored properly in favor of another queue, or the wait time is, so we can find all kinds of things just from focusing first on where's the biggest pain point. And if we are able to repair that pain point, then it calms everything else down for us to have a really smooth foundation 
to build scale for them. I like that. So find the worst bit, start fixing that, and then then it, the project just naturally expands yeah. from that from that worst point. And do you find most of it is most of the work is post purchase rather than pre purchase? I mean, obviously we're talking about customer experience, so it's, there's going to be plenty going on post purchase. But is it is it like eighty percent post purchase, very little pre purchase? Yeah, I mean, so it depends on the team, right? So if if there is a sales aspect to the team, then obviously there's going to be inquiries about, you know, how do I make this purchase or I have a question about these products. And so that can vary, but uh, most of it does end up being post-purchase. The reality is that if you have someone who comes to your website and they need or they're they're interested in your product and they want to make a purchase a good rule of thumb is to have a proactive chat experience on that product page so then that way if you have the resources cuz we can talk about workforce management stuff i live it every day but if you have the resources make sure that there's somebody who can actually engage with that customer because that is going to increase the likelihood that they purchase from your website and so you want to you want to give them that fast response. Eighty nine percent of customers say that a quick response will influence their decision to buy. So if someone's right there, it, it's kind of like you know that that greeting of someone in the retail store. You feel like someone's with you. Oh, by the way, how long are these pants? I'm a tall lady. I like you know at least a thirty four inch inseam. So <laughs> you know how tall how long are these pants? You know, and someone's there to answer. Oh, good. Now that's exactly what I was waiting for. Now I'm ready to purchase. Right. So you want to make sure that you have somebody there who's able to, to, to help them out. Which I guess is a great example of why the, the tech is so important to solve these process issues, because if you've got the right tech and you're using it right, which I suspect you come across plenty of people who've got the right tech but aren't using it, then right. you can make, make sure the message, you know, the right issue gets highlighted and put in front of the right person to be dealt with as quickly as possible. That's right. Um, that is known as skill-based routing. And you can do that in different tools. Some t- some tools are on the smaller end and will deal with tags and rules and things of that nature. But yes, it is very possible to get the contact to the right person the first time. Um, that will reduce, obviously, customer wait times. That will improve their experience because they're not being bounced around. And they're likely to get a more accurate, quicker response. And so we want to Always look at, you know, who is the best person to answer this and get that contact to that person almost immediately. Um, just it's better for the employee. It's better for the customer because you got to take care of those employees before, so that they take care of the customers. I like the fact you keep coming back to looking after the employees, because I think we, especially when we're talking customer experience, we get so obsessed with how the customer feels and mm-hmm. forget that the better we make the lives and the work experience of our teams, whether they're outsourced or in-house, yeah. the, the better a job they're going to do for us. It's true. And, you know, I'm going to be just very transparent. Being the head of CX is a really difficult job because you are balancing so many people's emotions. At my peak, I had a 300-seat contact center. So if you can imagine having responsibility for everybody's feelings, that is hard to do, right? And your job ends up becoming more interpersonal than operational. So contact centers get the the brand of like filling almost like schools. 
because the way that people are incentivized in a call center could be something like, oh, we're going to put a badge on your desk or we're going to give you a gift card or you get these gold stars for delivering great service. And what that does to the employee is it makes them feel smaller and it doesn't make them actually feel like a valued part of the team. So what I think is useful and helpful in in situations like that, uh, when you're trying to find ways to really um, improve the way that people feel about the work they're doing, they need to be included in the decision. So uh, when I would manage teams, which I haven't done in a long time, and I don't fancy myself the best people manager. You can ask my team. They'll tell you that all day long. I'm, I, don't, <laughs> I don't manage anybody. It's not my thing, right? But I like to work with people. So what I would try to do is bring people into like some of the decisions. So I remember there was one, um, I used to run customer care for shoe dazzle a hundred years ago. And I remember that the, on Fridays, I used to write these long messages to the team about like what was happening in the business. And they liked it because nobody feels like they need to tell the frontline CX team what's happening, except the frontline CX team is the one that gets all the questions because that customer 100% expects that you know everything that's going on within the company, right? Imagine if it takes you, you know, hours or days to reply to their email. The first thing that they'll say is, well, you took this long to reply to me, but you guys just sent me a message yesterday because there's no connection that that message went out from a totally different group who never talks to customers, right? That's the difficult thing about the CX managers or the head of CX's job is you are not only are you managing the frontline team, you're also responsible for the interactions with the rest of the company and getting out of them what your team need to do great, whether it's product briefings or quick responses from merchandising or the web team fixing problems or the warehouse doing something else. It's, it's a really intricate role, isn't it? It is. It's the center of the company. So that's why changing your customer experience takes so much time, so many resources, so much planning is because the changes that you make within that group directly impact other functions within the business. One of the challenges that I see in startups, especially ones that grow really quickly, is they start off with someone in CX who is really great with customers. And then they start to add that same personality to the team. And this personality is helpful. They want to find all the answers. They want to engage with the rest of the company to make sure that that customer feels good because they have bought in to the idea and theory that they are the customer experience. Well, when that one person becomes two, it's not an issue. But when those two become 10, then what happens is You've got 10 people reaching out directly to your warehouse, 10 people contacting marketing. So then you have to actually turn that around and you have to start thinking about not the person who is always good with the customer, but looking for a person who's good with the process, right? You're going to need at least one of those in there. And when you have that person who's really good with the process, then they're going to say, hey, we probably shouldn't have 10 people reaching out we should probably funnel those requests into this group or this person who will then own that relationship with said business partner and liaise. So that's what you want to start to look for because the person who's really good with customers is not the person that's going to necessarily scale your your CX team. Yeah. And anything which keeps the rest of the company on side so they're helpful and not going, oh, 
It's customer services yes. again. <laughs> and they do that so often. And, you know, it actually hurts the feelings of the employees. I remember working at a company being on the top floor. We had an outdoor patio and the rest of the company will come up to the outdoor patio to play um, paddle ball or I think that's what it was or ping pong, maybe ping pong. They would go outside and play ping pong. But the CX team didn't have that same flexibility because their breaks were scheduled and they, they had to live by a schedule. So imagine you're watching people let off steam and enjoy themselves after lunch, but you can't participate. So when it comes to building the CX culture, the question is, where do you want that to be? And then at what point do you make a decision that says, I want to maintain a specific culture here that I know I can't extend if this team grows to 60 people. So if that's the case, maybe you have either a different location or you may even want to consider a partner. But whatever you do, you need to set your requirements before you have any conversation because most vendors are going to try to sell you a unicorn when all you need is a pony. So know what you need when you go out there. Don't let them get you. <laughs> yeah, such good advice. Well, look, Ty, it's been a pleasure picking your brains about CX within real, true CX within a business. Um, listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end so you don't miss out on Ty's insider tips on customer experience and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Ty, so far we've gone deep into CX as your central business strategy. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of customer experience. Not that you haven't been already. Um, so for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with customer experience, which of course includes everything we've already been talking about. Ty, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, then. Uh, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? They have to look at the business as a customer, which is really hard to do. Most processes are built internally around what works best for the company, but really your processes should be around what works best for the customer. So, one of the things that I like to do is keep it like I call it a diary, but just like a list of things that like I want to change may not be the right time, but you have that list. And when you have the opportunity to focus on really implementing change, you can reflect on that. And that's and that's a real thing. That's actually how CX Collective came to be through a list that I created of things that I wanted to improve and change. I love it. That just that idea of keeping a list of ideas. I can't action it now, but I'm just going to keep it there. Mm hmm so useful. Um, now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance? Wow. Uh, so are we talking people, process, or tech? Because there's so many ways <laughs> to improve, right? Um, I Okay, so uh, my one of my favorite, I love process improvements. I love them because improving a process tells me so much about the people, tells me so much about the tech. 
So I would say uh, focus on your processes. That is, that's where the money is. And what I mean by that is that's where your savings live. If you can get your process optimized. So always look at it objectively. Look at um, any problems that you have, like your voice of customer. I'd also say to CX leaders, don't be ashamed if this is your first time managing or running a team in a young company and you don't know what it means to deliver a good customer experience, because guess what? The people who are asking you, they don't know either. So the bottom line is that if you can talk about inventory, number of tickets or contacts that you're getting in the channels, if you can talk about what's driving those, then and then you have voice of customer to back those things up. You now have a nice little, you know, summary of, of things that you can actually take to use as a way to improve the way that you are working with and engaging with your customers all the time. And that and the question is, where what processes do you want to focus on? You want to focus on the ones that are your biggest pain points. Uh, because your big once you get those biggest pain points resolved, then you can move on to something a lot more fluid. I love that. Okay. And I love the fact you were saying about, you know, when you fix the process, it also tells you so much about the people and the tech issues. Oh, yeah. It just highlights all of that. So a great place to start. Um, if someone listening wants to learn more about customer experience, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? So we actually started a process where we do advise and explore. And so what that means is that you can schedule a, a meeting with one of the CX Collective experts. And through that meeting, there could be an opportunity to work together, but could be not, doesn't matter. However, there's a fee associated with it. But if we were to, to start a project together, that fee actually gets credited back to you. So essentially, it's a free call. Because what we're finding is that when we get on to even talk about exploring, working together, out of that call, most of the time comes a bunch of advice anyway. And we found that sometimes we're able to just kind of give them some nuggets that they can roll off with. So we wanted to make it feel fair. Sounds good. Excellent. And they can get that via your website, I'm guessing. Yes, uh, on cxcollective.com forward slash contact. Cool. cxcollective.com forward slash contact, everybody. Um, okay, finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? Video chat. Uh, video chat's definitely coming into the CX world with, in, in a more pronounced way. It first became a thing actually during the pandemic. We worked with a couple of beauty brands who you can imagine had presence in retail shops and were like, holy cow, what are we supposed to do now? Um, so the, there was a lot of conversations around video chats, but not a lot of platforms that integrated with the CRMs, but that's changing. So we're, we're getting that. Um, I'm also seeing companies that are differentiating themselves by, bear with me, but bringing back phones. You know, remember when you can find a phone number anywhere, good luck to you? That is now becoming a differentiator. So um, I'm seeing phones come back. And I believe that video chat is going to become a new way of operating. Oh, there we go, guys. Two big things to consider adding into your customer services mix. Um, Ty, we are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business? Yes, yes. Please visit us at www.cxcollective.com. You can also find us on Instagram at the CX Collective. That's all one word. But please note, I'm terrible at posting the social. 
but we are there. So please follow <laughs> us. And I promise we're getting better. Um, and we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, the company is called CX Collective. Um, our tag is the CX Collective. And you can find me, Ty Givens, on LinkedIn as well. So love to connect with anyone who wants to, to reach out. It would be great. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ty. And um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been excellent hearing about how much impact there can be when you do it right and you go right to the heart of the CX issue. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. What a way to end our month of customer experience exploration, getting right to the heart of the matter and looking at how we can improve how our business delivers the fundamentals of customer experience. I really enjoyed chatting with Ty and, uh, and seeing how she goes about tackling what is a massive change in many businesses to make these big improvements affecting loads of the team, affecting loads of processes and loads of tech. Um, Lots, lots, lots to think about there. You can get links to all the things we discussed, the full transcript of this episode, our notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. And you go straight to the correct episode page using keepopt.com forward slash the number of this episode. Once you get to the website, make sure you add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast. Our whole set of episodes about customer experience is now live, so please do have a listen to them all for lots of different takes on how to improve the experience. You can find the whole series at keepopt.com forward slash CX or just scroll through the episode list in your podcast player of choice. Uh, They're pretty easy to find. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday when we'll be starting our last set of shows of the year for episodes about content marketing. So make sure you're subscribed to us or following us on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out. And if you know someone who's particularly interested in improving their CX or their content marketing at the moment, please let them know we're covering it all as this show exists to help you and them improve your marketing and your business. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimising.com. That's with an S, not a Z.